My guest today is Art Goodwin. He's the CEO of Innovation TVA. He's also our newest board member here at Forgiven Felons. And we've been waiting for a few months to get him on the show, but we finally got him. And he's got an amazing story of just being a very successful businessman, had everything, lost everything, did a couple years in federal prison, and has bounced back and is just helping people, again, in businesses uh, like crazy. And he's doing amazing. So today we do a background check on one of our board members, Art Goodwin. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and and not be afraid to say, "Go, go ahead. Check my background. My name is Jaden Gum, and this is Background Check. You already know. Let's go. You can check my background. I'm a forgiving felon, so tell them that I won't back down now. You can bet I won't live in regret. It's time to earn some respect. You are tuning in to Background Check. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Background Check Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Gum where we believe your background shouldn't hold you back, it should pay you back. Welcome to another week. We got a great episode for you. We're brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with the past realize their future. And we got some great things happening at Forgiven Felons. We're gonna be uh, we're gonna be starting a resource center, I believe in 2023. It's gonna be incredible. If you wanna know more about Forgiven Felons and what we're doing, go to forgivenfelons.org and check us out, man. And if you want to give, if this show has impacted your life in some way, whether one episodes or all of them, uh, and you feel like you want to uh, bless the ministry and helping us keep this going, uh, this podcast is heard all around the world. So your, your donation to Forgiven Felons help us share the gospel and stories all around the world. So go to ForgivenFelons.org and just click on the donate button there. And also, let's see, what else? Brought to you by Union Houston, Pastor Rod and Sarah Vargas down in Houston. They have an amazing church, have an amazing, just an amazing body of Christ down there. And they love us, they support us. And um, so if you want to visit them, Union Houston, Union, U-N-I-O-N, Houston.com, check them out. We're also brought to you by Clarity Roofing and Solar, my buddy Joe Medeiros. Good friend of mine, uh, got, got a great crew over there at Clarity Roofing and Solar. They'll give you a free estimate on your roof and put a great roof on your house. I know that for sure. And then uh, they'll also um, give you, talk to you about solar. We are about to do solar. We're going to put it, we've already done all the site survey and everything. They're going to put them on our house in probably January when we get back from vacation. So check them out clarityroofingandsolar.com or you can call them at 972-922-63 I'm sorry 922-972-922-6434 right, call them and and, and listen tell them that um, you heard you heard them on background check alright so let's see who else we brought to you by oh we got some listen dope uh, the cookie dough the cookie dough and uh, the, the company's called dope Kelsey Morera was a guest on our show. Go listen to her story, podcast episode. I can't remember, but it's you'll see. It's in the 90s, I think. Uh, we aired it back in September. Uh, we have a back... If you use background check as a code at checkout, you'll get, I think, $5 off. 
So go order, and um, they support us, and they love us, and so and they have good cookie dough, really good cookie dough. All right, and then another one is called um, another sponsor is is Devoted DVTD uh, dot com DV D is in David V is in Victor T is in Tom D is in David DVTD it's it's all the consonants in the word devoted. Okay, DVTD.com. And um, they have an amazing business concept. Every every product they sell from every company that that product comes from has, has a mission. And then Devoted has a mission. And we're part of their mission right now. Uh, we were their, we were their uh, organization of the month for October, November. And they're going to let us use this code FF, stands for Forgiven Felons, FF20 at checkout. And you will get... Gosh, I think it's 10 or 20% off. Just be happy with whatever you get. But go to DVD, DVTD.com. All right. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and do a couple of shout-outs. I'm going to be doing shout-outs differently. I'm not going to do a bunch of them on one show. I'm just going to do a couple at a time. So if you don't hear your name and you know you've written in, just be patient, all right? If you don't hear it in uh, in a month, then write, write, write me back and tell me, all right? So let's see. Sailor. Sailor. I cannot read your first name, so sorry, Sailor. Um, you've known about the podcast for six months, but you just started listening regularly for last month. All right, cool. So uh, he's from Missouri, and uh, looks like what? Uh, Moberly? Moberly Correctional Center? Anyway, thank you, and thank you for letting me know about that check-in. Uh, he loves the background check-ins. <coughs> so thank you for letting me know, because um, you're considered a check-in. All right, so um, the next one is Robert Jansen. Robert Jansen at the uh, Stevenson Unit. Man, I got something in my throat. Hang on. <coughs> All right, I think I'm good. Anyway, thank you for writing and the card. And uh, you, you addressed it to our family, too, so I read it to them. So thank you for uh, everybody writing in. There are a few more. Believe me, I'm just not going to take the time on each episode to do a bunch. So if you did write in, I will give you a shout out, but thank you. I do want to welcome the Polunsky unit. They went on lockdown, but they went and I wasn't able to go in, but they also got their tablets while on lockdown. So, uh, I'm glad to, uh, glad to know that. So welcome Matt Ayers. I know Matt Ayers is probably listening and he's going to start spreading the word there. I want to say hello to, uh, Carson, Carson Philly though. Uh, hope you're doing all right. And, uh, Chaz at the Kyle unit. These are just people that I already know. They're not people that wrote in, but just want to say hi to people. Brian Ward up in Alabama, people that we've gotten to know over the years. They're not – I just want to let everybody know. Michael Etchison, all you guys at the Northeast Correctional Center, uh, praying for you guys. Love you guys. We got a, we, we have a special uh, Christmas episode coming up next week. So, All right, I want to get to this interview. Uh, his name is Art Goodwin. He's the CEO of Innovations TVA. Uh, it's just a business that helps other businesses and nonprofits grow and do all kinds of things. I, I, I don't even know all what they do, but they do a lot. And I know Art has just been introduced to me the last few months, and he's he's uh, he did time in federal prison. And he's an amazing man, wants to help us grow our, our organization. So we're excited about it. He's going to tell you his story. And uh, so let's just let's get to it. Art Goodwin, welcome to Background Check Podcast. Great to be here. Thank you, you. You ready to do this background check, man? I'm ready. You've been ready for a while. This will be the easiest background check you'll ever 
have to worry about. Uh, you don't have to worry about passing or failing. Um, but, uh, but thanks for taking the time carving out your busy schedule to come, um, to come be on the show, man. I appreciate it. Well, my pleasure. It's a priority for me, as you know, so I'm grateful to be here and grateful to be part of Forgiven Felons. Now we've only known each other for, I want to say what, maybe three and a half, four months, probably about three and a half, four months. A mutual friend introduced us and then it's just been crazy from there. Yep. So uh, I, I know we said we've said it to each other a couple of times. You're you're an answer to our our organization's prayer, and you've told that to us too that, that we're an answer, answer to your prayer. Absolutely. So uh, let's get right into it, man. Tell us who you are now. All, all that you're involved in now. We'll get back in the into your background and your story in a minute. But tell us who Art Goodwin, the man, the family man, the businessman, is now. Sure. Um, well, from a family perspective, I have four sons, two years apart, ranging from 31 to 37. Been married 38 years. It's a lifetime, but it's been a great journey. I'm very fortunate to have my wife. Uh, many times after coming out of prison, and even now when I tell my story, people would say, you're really lucky your wife stayed with you. And, of course, I want to say, well, she's kind of lucky, lucky, too. yeah, absolutely. But <laughs> I really am lucky. She is a blessing. Yeah, I met a lot of guys in prison art that, Same. that, they lost that, their that got that letter. They got that phone call. They just Some of them didn't get a letter or a phone call. Just they just didn't get a visit. Stop visiting, yeah. stop everything, stop answering the phone. I mean, just yeah. it all. So, And we'll yeah. talk about that. You know, the guys that were in there that had been a long time, I think they helped me uh, nurture my relationships, not just with my wife. That's so good. But with my uh, other yeah. family, because you only have 300 minutes on the phone during the holidays, 200 during for a month. Wow. And so that time is limited. What comes out of your mouth is critical, right? Yeah. And yeah. that is for today, too. Anyway. So keep, yeah. So with. Um, I love to get distracted and sidetracked, so I'll try to keep you on track, too. All right, thanks. So. <laughs> Who are you now? What, what do you do? So I have uh, Innovation TVA is my company, uh, and I started it 10 years ago. We're consultative in what we provide to companies. Initially, it started to work with small technology companies to help them get grounded, and it's evolved, and we're agnostic in the sense that we'll work with other companies. And I'm also the um, chief business development officer for a small M&A firm. They're a boutique, but they've been around for 20 years and been very successful, and I'm grateful to be a part of that as well. And I also am, uh, participate in a level of either on a board or what I can do to help of different nonprofits. And we're starting a couple. Uh, one is Forgiven Felons, but then there's another one that we're starting up that will help provide food for the hungry and homes for the homeless. And so, so just so everybody knows, Art is our newest board member here at Forgiven Felons. Um, he he contributed enough in the first month or two that that we're just like you know what i think uh you know you're already doing what board members do and and uh and we just need to make it official so uh so he's he's officially official by the time this um episode airs he will be officially official he's already official but next week we're going to make it official official so by the time this episode airs uh you know he's gonna be a full-fledged board member but i want to say thank you first of all uh i don't think we've had anybody that's wanted to be a part of our ministry in any capacity board member or not that has really just jumped in and um and done all the things that you've tried to help us do and um and things that you you know desire to help us do 
in the future. So I want to, I want to say thank you for that. So, uh, well, it sounds like you're pretty successful and you got it all, uh, you know, you got everything, uh, that you need right now, but, uh, it wasn't all the, it wasn't always this way. No. And I, I would say successful in that I have great family, great friends. Absolutely. I haven't hit that financial peak that I did before I went into the system, but it's okay. What's most important are the relationships and the people that you're able to touch their lives and bring something forward in his name. And really that's my goal and my focus. It was when I went into the system, you know, the first three days, I think I felt sorry for myself, you know, yeah, we all do. four or 500 people. And also what the heck am I doing here? But I then prayed and said, Lord, I'm here to serve just like I was outside. So bring it on. And yeah. uh, the journey went from there. All right. So do you want to talk about like, uh, I mean, you were pretty successful before you went to prison. So uh, talk a little bit about that success, what you were involved in then and kind of lead into, you know, what got you, what got you landed in prison? Sure. So uh, in my career, mainly technology, worked through companies like Texas Instruments, uh, Rome IBM, and went from sales rep to director to uh, vice president in the organization. The last one was a company called Boston Technology, and then we were acquired or merged with a company called Converse Network Systems. I went from being... Uh, oh, Converse, yeah. I used to wear their shoes. No, not that Converse. Oh, okay. I remember that. <laughs> this was uh, based out of um, Long Island and really uh, Israeli-influenced. Very, uh, very uh, smart folks. At any rate... Um, now, I where had, were you living at this time? So I was in... Uh, Texas. I came down with Texas Instruments when I was 23. My wife okay. was 22. and uh, Like TI, like Ross Perot TI? Is that Texas Instruments? I don't, was Ross? Ross was uh, EDS. Was he? Yeah. I, thought, I always thought, he might have been I always thought te Texas Instruments was Ross Perot. No, but there is a guy, Rich Templeton, who is there now as CEO. Shows you how much... Uh, I know about tech. <laughs> well, I came down with GPS, and back then, you know, we have it on our phones, but it was much different than it Maps was. Maps go. Yeah, exactly. Uh, at any rate, um, so I had an opportunity to go back to Boston, where my wife and I are from, through this acquisition, and we always dreamt and talked about it, so we moved back. And, uh, you know, my grandmother lived up the street, my sisters, my wife's family, and we have four sons, and... We all moved back there. It was Nirvana. You know, I would drive to work, and we were in the country. And, you know, Dallas is a lot of, you know, cement and buildings, but I'd have to wait for the ducks to cross the road. And, <laughs> you know, by the time I got to work, I'd have to kind of step over the goose crap. And, but, wow. Uh, it, it was beautiful. You know, the nature is nice. Uh, the cold weather, I don't know that my wife enjoyed that as much as we did when we were younger. At any rate, uh, worked for uh, Converse and then soon moved over to a new startup. And part of it was that uh, the Israeli uh, way of creating relationships was not the same to me and what I had established with my client. And my biggest client was Southwestern Bell, great company. They're now AT&T. And the people there were phenomenal. And I still maintain the relationships with them today. So I went in uh, to a small startup, and they had been in, when I joined them, uh, four days after I joined, they went public, and then about six days later, they reported their earnings, and they had missed their earnings. So 
It was like you should go into a wedding in a scenario like that, but it was yeah. like going into a funeral. Mm. And I went in as a director because I thought, I don't, I mean, I paid for my house and I'm not bragging. It's just I had put money in the bank. I was 37, not quite 40, and uh, really happy to be where I was. And so they hadn't quite planned. It was 1999, and this was about to be Enron times. And uh, we were challenged meeting quarter to quarter based on what they had projected to the street. They hadn't really done a business plan. It was really a spin out of a company called Brook Trout Technology. And um, when they did that, when they didn't make their earnings, you know, normally one would fire the CEO and the VP of sales, but they came from Brook Trout. And so uh, they stayed and I continued on and but I do what I do oftentimes. I want to fix it. So I became the executive vice president of worldwide sales and marketing, and that was the role I took. With that said, uh, you know it was a challenge. And without getting into too much detail, we ended up getting to the end of uh, the nine months, and we had to restate earnings. All fingers pointed to myself, and gotcha. it went from there. So what happened was. I didn't know what was happening. You know, never happened to me in my life. Never thought uh, I would go to prison for sure. And um, so, so uh, something happened in the company. You don't have to go into details, but something happened in the company. But you were you're an officer. You're, well, I'm you're the an executive. Yeah, I'm the responsible. And party. so, so you didn't actually do it, but you're responsible for the people that did. Well, it. yeah, and the way the transactions went. Regardless, you know, that's that's the. I guess the challenge or the responsibility you take. Um, I moved back to Dallas not knowing what was going to happen. We'd only been there a couple of years, and we had raised our family here. So with that said, moved back, and um, it took six years before it went to trial. Wow. So it was a six-year waiting period. I six think years. That goodness. was worse than going to prison. And just, was there just a lot of discovery and stuff, or was just the federal system slow like the state system is? Well, in this case, it takes that time for the SEC to get involved or research do and something all that stuff. And I'm sure that that whole thing created jobs for accountants and lawyers, so I didn't get any thank you notes on that one. But <laughs> with that said, uh, yeah, then it goes to trial, and instead of plea bargaining, which I was given 47 to 52 months if I plea bargained out, I said no. Um, and we went to trial. So went to trial. I think the trial was about two weeks, and I lost. Um, but, uh, you know, that was that was the whole process. And the trial took place in Boston, so we had to fly, you know, back and forth uh, for that. Um, so, yeah, so that was— Wow, that, so that was all out of your pocket, too, huh? Yes. Yeah, so all the travel was out of your pocket. Yeah, wow. and I, I often tell the story, you know, when we had moved in this beautiful house, this beautiful neighborhood, and— I'm standing in the backyard about to sit on the hammock after a day. Uh, had a Heineken in my right hand and looked up to God and said, you know, Father, I'm not complaining. You know, I've traveled all over the world and jumped in limos to the airport back and all over, but always home for the weekends. But is that all there is? And I should have kept my mouth shut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so You'll learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he had other plans, I guess. And uh but you know, so now the six years was that them just trying to investigate uh, to try to charge you? I mean, had you been charged with anything at this point, or was this just a six-year-long investigation to try to figure out what all they could pin on you? 
Correct. There was nothing other than waiting, and nothing came about until you know the SEC got involved. Now remember, Enron is in play, and now yeah, it's kind of a, a period of time. You'll notice legal things go in cycles. Yeah. You know, if it's you know the NFL players getting hit, you know, for hitting uh, on women abuse, or there's always a part of what's going on. At any rate, Enron happened, and we just happened to be in that that yeah. place. Um, so yeah, nothing happened until that was announced. I was working as a vice president for a company and I dismissed myself. They said, you don't have to do that. Uh, you know, I know this is coming about, but you're welcome to stay here. But I left and I started my own surveillance company and because I love technology and did that up until the period of time that, uh, I had to go to trial and then, uh, to prison. Now, now, did it take the whole six years before you actually started the trial, or was the trial lengthy took, as no, well? No, it took six years before anything. Anything was even trial or anything. But okay. there was how hard was that on you and your wife emotionally, mentally, I, psychologically? I think, it was, I think, tough. I mean, we're pretty, I think, tough. I mean, we're all human, but in the back of your mind, for example, you know, I have friends that work for companies like TI that we get invited to, to a party, and I would not go i would say i don't know what this is i don't know what's going to happen so it's almost like waiting for the siren to go off uh in the background uh, yeah. i know when it first happened up in boston i didn't know what to expect and i was coaching my son's uh soccer game and i heard a siren and thought oh, they're coming for me <laughs> you know so it's not a good feeling yeah no. it just is um, you know just waiting for that to and happen. just the unknown the, i mean you don't know yeah, but I you have imagine. to keep you know supporting your family. You have to right. keep on. Track. So the charges came. The trial, obviously, you, you you pled not guilty. So because there was a trial, right? Correct. So you were trying to prove innocence, uh, and then they decided that you weren't innocent. Um, and so, how long did they give you? Uh, it was twenty six months or thirty months. Thirty months of which I served twenty three months. All right, so just under two years. Mm-hmm. All right, so what what was that saying goodbye to your wife like? I mean, did she know it was? She kind of knew it was coming. No, we had no uh, idea. Or had how, no idea that you would end up serving time. We really thought that you know the truth would come out and it would be fine. So it didn't happen that way, you know. And with that said, uh, I was sentenced. Uh, I think the judge gave me the least amount of sentences he could. That's uh, good which at that time there was a decision made that the judges could participate in the sentencing where right before that happened, uh, it went by the points that were assigned based on your case. So, gotcha. um, so anyway, so saying goodbye to my wife, I remember I was in the parking lot of the Beaumont uh, camp. and they gave, uh, Now, they gave you time to report, right? Or did they take you into custody right then? Oh, no. Um, I, I, this was, I want to say trial november uh and i went in the beginning of february so the judge even allowed thinking of christmas i'd think i believe i mean i'm thinking in a nice way either way whatever he was thinking you got the holidays correct and with that said um so it was a long drive down to beaumont they have to keep she, you she drove you or you had to be driven by no she federal, drove. she drove okay yeah yeah uh the federal mandate is you have to be within 500 miles and I think Beaumont's 498. Just under the nose. So there's not, you know, in, in the prison system, in the process, there's not, there's no heart involved. There's no uh, considerations to anything. Uh, as anyone listening that's in prison understand that. 
Uh, so with that said, um, I was in the parking lot. I used to smoke cigarettes, and I would be damned if I was going to have to sneak around inside. So uh, I definitely left that habit at the door. Um, I embraced my wife. I kissed her, and knowing that I wouldn't be able to do that again until I was released. And it was a, it was a hard moment, and and that was it. So, you know, you get submitted, and, you know, it's not at least where I went to camp. It's not like they sprayed me down and then threw lime on right. my body. Uh, they took my clothes and my belongings, and I put on the uniform. And I remember looking through the door into the yard. You know, this was a camp, uh, which means there's no— fences around the camp and you can escape if you want there'll be more time but you know I could see people walking around and I remember saying how am I going to do this I'm glad that everything's over and here we are to now move forward but how and I could hear loudly in my head trust in me and that was it I knew I knew that uh all right. You knew what you had to do. And you as knew. I walked through into the, the, I was released out the door, there was a chapel, and I could hear someone, you know, playing a guitar, uh, Amazing Grace. And it's one of my favorite songs. And I thought, all right, I'll figure this out. But it was pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So now at that point, I mean, what happened to, what happened to everything? Like, like everything. I mean, my family. Did or? you lose everything? Oh, did you yeah. lose the house? Did you lose cars? Did you lose what, what all? What yeah, all? so as financially uh, in that period of time, we went down to nothing. I mean, I remember because um, when we moved back to Dallas, I sold the we sold our house, okay. paid for my house in cash, uh, but then we had to start using those funds for lawyers. And uh, at the end of the day, after two years being in prison, we were down to nothing. After a year when my wife was about, to lose a house she couldn't pay anymore and I remember I would walk around this track and I was praying because you're kind of helpless you know when you're in prison there's not much you can do Nothing. for your for your family, family yeah. other than what you say to them is critical what right. comes out of your mouth that's so good art I mean because that's all you have uh, I used to get a kick out of the guys on the phone, and it, usually it was some of the Spanish guys, but they'd get mad at their girlfriends or their wife, and they'd swear and hang up on the phones. Slam the phone. Now, you down. cannot call them back, and they can't call you. So I'd say, so what? how's that going to look? How, how are you going to fix that? So at any rate, uh, the letters I wrote and what I would say on the phone, I really tried hard to think about what was coming out of my mouth. But I remember praying and asking God, please help her. Um, and amazingly, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac collapsed. She I, got, I remember that. She got a whole year until I got home in the house. Now, there wasn't a lot. I mean, she was really uh, scrimping and saving. I had some tremendous friends that I could call or write and say, please, could you bring her a little bit of money? And they would. And there's a, a handful. Um, and that helped out a lot. My wife is a tremendously strong human being. And uh, the boys, uh, just terrific. So, um, so you've mentioned a couple times that you've, uh, you, you've prayed to God and you've heard the voice. So talk a little bit about your faith and how that has played into at this point in your life, how that played into leaving your wife, trusting God, you know, um, calling on your friends, you know, uh, maybe some weren't there for you some that you thought might be there. I know I 
had a lot of people that, that I thought would be there for me in prison that weren't hmm. when I was actually in prison. But talk a little bit about your faith and how faith played into, you know, trusting God and, 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 the, and, and using those words to say to your, uh, to your wife um, just a little bit. Sure. So when I first went in, um, well, my faith, I was raised Catholic. Um, I was an altar boy, fortunately not an abused altar boy. Uh, and with that, um, you know, my mom was always a person of strong faith. And I, I pray to God as I do now and talk all day long. Uh, when I first went into prison, I think it was about the second day, it was lightning and storming and you could go out during the day. And I went to the track and the words I was using to God the Father probably weren't what most people say, but you know everyone has their own relationship, and I was yeah. angry. It's like, what is this? Was yeah. what is this? Um, and I remember hearing on the intercom, you know, whoever that is, you better get in, or you're going to go to the hole. The hole would be a place that you're isolated in, and so I did. But um, you know, faith is what got me there. Uh, just as you will hear when we pray together now, I will always end. I hope that says, you know, Lord, tell me how I can show me or make me an instrument to serve others because I know by serving others, I'm serving you, right? And I did that. I was able to get into education, and so I became the, the clerk, the head clerk for education. Yeah, let's talk about, like, let's talk about get into your prison sentence now. You're in there. You're... You have these conversations with God, you know, you're like, you know, kind of like this is you're living the answer to your question to God. Is this it? Right. So now you're in the it. But now and, I'm, uh, I'm embracing my reality. Yeah. Right? And so let's talk about, man, just talk about your experience, man. Yeah. So the experience uh, was teaching at least the first year. The first year I taught in the day GED and I was responsible for making sure the classrooms were, you know, they had what they needed and operated. Uh, what you would have is a uh, CO, which is an, uh, an officer who would sit at his desk, usually with his feet up on the desk. But my job was to ensure all that was taken care of. At night, we had an adult educational course. It's called ACE. And that ACE program, uh, people could get a little bit of credit. It might have affected an earlier release, or at least uh, it would it would look well on their you know, profile as they were being released. And I really enjoyed that. So I went from morning early, seven. Uh, you'd have to go back for count, you know, around three. Uh, and count is at four. And for those of you on the line that don't know what count is, they have to make sure that you haven't disappeared. So you'd have to be in your cell standing up and they would count. Then we'd go to Chow Hall and then ACE program would start at 6 p.m. And it would go till uh, 9, I think 9, 9 o'clock, 9.30. And then you had to be in by 10. So my days were long, Monday through Thursday. And How long did it take you before you got into that that whole schedule? I mean, you didn't just walk in and go, hey, we want to make you a teacher. So no, so was there a relationship like time, you built? Yeah, timing's everything. There was a gentleman by the name, I think his name was Steve Haggy, And he was getting ready to be released. And after the second day of, you know, feeling sorry for myself, I finally said, all right. Uh, and I aligned with this individual and asked if he would help position me. That's good. And he did. Uh, he was really phenomenal. I haven't talked to him or written to him for a long time, but uh, he was he was a good guy. He did a good job in what he provided for the guys. And I really took it to heart to make sure whatever I could provide, uh, it was going to help them before they go back into what's referred to as the free world. And 
everyone inside the system right now and out. There's nothing free about it, but I don't know why we refer to it being free. Uh, yeah, you can be just, in just has, as many prisons out here as you can inside. Exactly, but uh, but I I really made the best of that, and I would walk with guys and listen to their stories. You know, there's a program called RDAP, which is a drug rehabilitation program, and for guys who qualified, they could get out a year earlier on their release, but they had to do an autobiography. Amazingly enough, even though some of these guys were, you know, I call them uh, big ballers where they sold drugs or and they were handling millions of dollars. They owned houses and cars. They might not read very well, and they had to do that autobiography. And so I said, well, I'll, I'll help you with it. And I would get inside their head. I said, you're going to have to help me so that I can represent you best. And they always wanted to pay me with, you know, mackerel or stamps. I said, no, no, just do it. You know, pay it forward. Um, and with that said, uh, I got to learn amazingly the life that they went through. And uh, it's, a, it's no wonder they were in prison. And, right. and they weren't complaining. You know, a lot of the people in there, they didn't whine or they complained. So when I was released and I listened today of, you know, uh, guys complain about their marriages and their wife. It's not that I'm not sympathetic or empathetic, but it's a little agitating, you know, yeah. uh, or what they don't have or how much they have to manage materialistically. And it just really, it, I, I just smile because it's not for me to judge, but it is aggravating. When, and, when, when, when all of North Texas went on lockdown, uh, that's when I kind of like, this ain't lockdown. You know, everybody gripping about not being able to go to here or there or not being able to do this or do that. And I'm like, and they call it lockdown. And I'm like, you can go into your yard. You can go ride a bike. You can go to your refrigerator. You can do all this stuff. This ain't really lockdown. Quit your crying and complaining. I mean, we should have gotten together, you and I, when COVID happened, because we could have given little hints on how to enjoy lockdown. Right? So. And the toilet paper, everybody was like, the shortage of toilet paper. I'm like, okay, when you're dealing with the state, and they give you your toilet paper. You don't buy it on commissary. They give you your toilet paper, and you get like one roll a week. Then you learn how to use like five five squares <laughs> at a time, and that's it. I have a great story on toilet paper. If you want, uh, you know, uh, I used to send my mom roses, one for every year I was born on my birthday. And so I'm in there and certainly don't have the funds, but, you know, guys really get creative. And a gentleman that was my celly, made roses with toilet paper. So I sent her, at the time, I think, 39 roses. Uh, but the funny story is, you know, uh, the day I was leaving, I knew the person who was an inmate who provided the supplies, and I had him put a box of toilet paper under my Sally's bed. And so when I was leaving, <laughs> and I had established a relationship because of a class I created while I was in there with the warden, as best as you can establish a relationship. Right. But I uh, said, um, hey, by the way, check under my Sally's bed. <laughs> so when, so he, when he was released, uh, I called and said, hey, you're out. And he goes, you remember what you did to me, my friend? Oh, <laughs> 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 well, I tried to take my journey with a little bit of a sense of yeah. humor as best you can. But uh, I know that's not always the case. And I'm certainly not insensitive to the people who are listening and the journey that you're on right now. Know that... Uh, you know, there are people like Jay and I out here that do care and that uh, you're not alone. And God has picked you for a reason to be there, not because of just what may have happened, but you're that important to him. 
to, to have that relationship with him because that's all that really matters. This is a world, and it's not our world. It's not God's world. This is Satan's playground. The world we need to look at is the world thereafter, the kingdom and how we behave. You know, you asked me about my faith. Not one Catholic friend visited me in prison. Mm. Now, my kids went to Jesuit, uh, St. Mark's Catholic Church, and I was hurt. I was really hurt that really, after all the time invested and spent and sharing, but not one. Mm. And in my, after released, I get back on my feet. At first, I work for a company, and now I'm in a position of where uh, I'm earning an income and uh, almost where I was when I went in. And I'm driving in my car, that voice, and I'm, I'm a little stewed. I'm thinking about it, and I hear that voice that says, well, if you're mad at them, you're mad at me. And so I welled up, and I said, you're right. I need to let it go. I can't be mad at them because, you know, people don't understand. For the guys and women that are in prison today and even those that get released, we have to come above it because they just don't know. Yeah. And that's, you know, turn to God. Turn to him for the answers, and he will answer. Amen. Always. All right. Well, I, because I'm your friend and, and work closely with you, I know you have a curriculum called Embracing Reality. So let's talk about that. How did that come about? What is it? How did it come about? And what are the future plans for it? Well, thank you for asking. The um, I created it because one thing I noticed, you know, coming in. and, and When did you start creating it? So uh, after a year in um, education. So the, you so while you were still in prison, you started Well, I was in prison. Yep. I create, I'm sorry. I created it while I was there. And because while I was there, they have, I think it's every five years where the Federal uh, Bureau of Prisons comes in and they have to recertify the curriculum. And that mean, and I was able, to, well, I wasn't able, I had to rewrite all the classes. We had employment, we had, um, you know, business development. There were different classes and uh, there's something missing for me. You know, we could only have visits on Saturdays and Sundays and they were supervised, you know, no, whatever. Uh, there was nothing there, no games. You know, you sit for five hours with wow. your family. You know, I would have so many Reese's Pieces <laughs> cups that my sons, and I could not not eat them, but I was so wired by the time I got back to my cell, right? Um, Me too, man. And I Candy thought, and I Diet did, Coke. I didn't want to not eat it because they did it out of the kindness of their heart. And the other thing is, the the people who charge for that stuff charge more than they do on the yeah. outside, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, different discussion. Hey, on that note, Texas, TDCJ, state prison, they just informed all the family that now you can bring $35 in coins for the vending machines instead of 25 Oh, God bless them. So now it's like, okay, uh, I guess you want to make more money and you want to be less healthy with your inmate. I mean, I would walk into prison art or in the visitation room and state prison, they would make the the person, your visitor, buy all the food. Right. And most of the time, they would want you to go ahead and have the food there when the inmate comes. You couldn't be getting up during the visit. So my mom already knew what I loved. You know, she I love chocolate, peanut butter, anything chocolate, peanut Reese's. butter. Reese's. 
and uh, Diet Coke. So she would have me three or four Diet Cokes that I would drink in the, in the two hours time frame, and and uh, and they would make. I mean, you they couldn't leave with anything, and right. I couldn't take anything back. So it was either going in the trash or going inside me, you know. And so, but yeah, she would have just this piles of candy bars and Reese's peanut butter. I'll just. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it was crazy. You just go back and just be sick at yourself for like an hour or two. Crazy. Well, and and so yeah, so you experienced the same thing. Um, you know, it was great to be able to be with my family at that time, but it's a long drive. And y'all had, but y'all had longer visitations. You said five hours, right? So I think nine to two or three. So yeah, we were only two hour, two hour. Unless you got a like a hardship and you were coming from a certain miles away, you could have a longer visit. Like but only on the visit. weekends. That's it. And then could they bring y'all food in or no? No. I don't know why I thought that federal prison the, the families could bring like bring like a meal or something. There was no program where you could bring a meal into your family. Nothing. No, it may have changed now. I don't know. Maybe but that was just the women movies. had to have. They were going to have a pocketbook and had to be see through, you know, so they could see what was in it, right. and they couldn't wear. Sandals, they had to have closed shoes, that kind of thing. Gotcha. Uh, at any rate, so it was obvious that there's some things that are missing that might be possible. So I worked hard to put together a class called Embracing Reality. And the intent of it was, you know, coming into the system, you know, for me, you know, I've never been in and maybe some had more experience. I didn't do much reading on it, but you know, you don't have a guide. Okay, here, let's get ready. You don't have a tour guide. And no. the people who approach you, you you know, from all that you see on television and everything else, you want to be careful. Like, oh, I'm not going to be friends with them. Uh, I don't know them. I don't know what to expect. And then guys who are getting ready to leave that have been down for some time, you know, how are they going to respond and react when their kids aren't paying attention because they're text messaging and they don't even know what text messaging is. So I'm giving you a simplistic view, but I felt there was a great way to create a buddy system and a way in which they might get more acknowledgement and more privilege. And so I put together a program which has 10 areas to focus on. And it's a lot about, you know, the only thing you can control in your life is your body, your mind, and your spirit. Because if you think about it, the people that we know that have lots of money, there's people floundering around them and, you know, bowing before them. But take the money away. How friendly are they going to be, right? Now your family, you have more influence as you are part of that family, but take the money away. And interesting enough, that becomes a little challenge too, your influence. And your body uh, and your mind are critical. If you let your body get out of whack, it starts to affect your mind and everything else. If you can nurture those three things always in a positive way, the results will be amazing. And to have guys teach each other through this program as they were navigating just made sense. So part of the benefit of the program was that they could have a day visit, not a Saturday or Sunday, it was on a Friday. Their families could come. I had games that were afforded so they could play games instead of just staring at each other. I mean, my family and I would say a rosary. I know my boys were probably like, oh God, what are we doing? <laughs> but it was my only way of staying connected as best I could during the circumstance right but yeah. they could have games dads could have their children on their lap and you couldn't do that on a saturday sunday visit you just couldn't so and i was told about you know when i wanted to get this class out by the other guys that'll never happen they'll never do it never 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 well when you tell me never challenge I'm gonna, accepted i am going to do it 
and this is how it happened. If you're interested, you know, uh, I I left the educational system because they changed the CEO, and I I had a much younger CEO, and I had created a class for uh, speaking, so a Toastmasters class, which was phenomenal to hear these guys share so open and honestly. We forgot we were even having a class, yeah. but we also forgot sometimes where they signed in. So we were at the end of the class period, which is I think eight weeks or 12 weeks, and that CEO that came in wouldn't acknowledge two of the students. And so I said, well, I quit. Now, for whatever it was, 15 cents an hour, I'm not gonna educate this guy where I've educated directors and others, VPs in my past. I, I just don't wanna do it and I'm really, upset it upset the whole you know i didn't think of the outcome yeah. for the whole camp but right. at the same point i went into food service well i had already written the curriculum for embracing reality and i submitted it and he was supposed to he being our camp manager warden he was supposed to submit it for approval well while i was in food service the person from the central office came over and she said are you art goodwin i said yeah because i used to order the food for all of all facilities, so the low, the medium, and the high, and the camp. And the guys worked in the warehouse, and we'd every day, you know, get produce, frozen food, everything would go out. I'd have to check it in. Um, first time they had strawberries in a long time. At any rate, uh, with that said, she said, well, you've been identified by your peers, your fellow inmates, to speak at the volunteer dinner. And I said, oh. Uh, she goes, well, do you, would you do it? I said, of course, I'd um, love to do it. So fast forward, the volunteers, there's about 100 of them, and then they have the different prisons, the warden, the assistant warden, you know, and there's about 100 of them, and there's two tables set up with dishes and silverware and linens, and then the, the service was provided by the inmates, the band, the music, great music, and then waiting on them and the tables and, and all of that. Uh, I remember one guy had just come over from the low after six years and I was sitting next to him before speaking and he's just staring at the activity at the tables. I said, what are you, what are you looking at? And he said, I haven't seen silverware for like 10 years. And I, I welled up. Yeah. That's the reality, right? Yep. And that's that's their reality. So yeah. um, at any rate, <laughs> so I was asked to speak, and I got up, and I, I know I gave something from Psalms. I can't remember what it was. And then I asked the administration to please stand. Now, if you don't think I got looks from – now, these <laughs> some of these people see deaths every day. You know, they have a pretty hardcore life of what they experience – but they're looking at me and I could feel like laser beams. And I said, I just want to thank you on behalf of those of us that are in prison because I know if you did not approve the volunteers to come in and it's an additional security risk, then we wouldn't have this. Yeah. And then I turned to the other table after they sat down and I asked the volunteers to please stand. So I, and I finished and went through my speech because I walked with guys, because if you're gonna give a speech to be authentic, there's some things I didn't participate in. And one of the nuggets that came in my walk with a gentleman, 
I said, what does it mean to you? And he said, I get to escape here for that one hour that that volunteer spends time with me. So for those of you listening and aren't in prison and you can visit somebody, you know, you don't really know how much a visit really means. Yeah. It means a lot. And know that it costs us a book of stamps to get dressed the way we look. <laughs> so with that said, you know, at the very end, you know, the, the warden gave his speech at the end. And he goes, well, first of all, I think Art Goodwin stole um, the speech off of my desk. And I took that as a tremendous compliment. Yeah. Be my interim period between, you know, leaving education to going into food service was cleaning the lobby of the maximum security prison and the warden's office. So it had some humor to it. Like, And I used to clean the sally port. So I can actually share a Christmas song I used to sing out loud while I was christmas time was there at any rate um uh at the end i went over and i was going to shake his hand and he looked at me and goes no because you know you don't shake right uh i said well since i have you you know i'm wondering if you're going to approve embracing reality and all of a sudden the person who runs our camp the warden comes running over oh it, it's been on his desk for two months oh, oh it's on my desk i'm going to get it over to you <laughs> And so what happened was it got approved like within a week. Yeah, so, so good. things happen in an amazing way. Be patient; yeah. they will happen. Just stay at it, you know. So I mean, your crime would be considered white collar, correct? Correct. Uh, so how hard is it for a businessman, successful businessman, who has been convicted of a white collar crime? Um, you know, you've been out of prison now for what? The uh, two thousand eight. So. What is that? 14 years. Yeah. So how hard has it been for you? Have, have you had any challenges, any bumps in the road that your background has come into play or oh, prohibitive? Well, prohibitive. The, prohibitive. The first one, you know, the first job, uh, well, the first job I took was working at um, LA Fitness and getting people to join, you know, sign up. So seven fifty an hour. And then, of course, I was in great shape, and I would make them puke. By the time they were done, they knew they needed to work out, and they'd sign up. Uh, then I was able to get into a company uh, through a mutual friend, and I picked back up. I took over as president, uh, really general manager, president. I took over for the president and did that for three years and was able to work with 150 people that worked there and helped turn the company around, um, and that was great. But at the end of that, the owner who had some issues was walking around telling the people that work for me, you know, I've been in prison. And, of course, they knew that because I would use it to get them off their butt, right. you know, to yeah, get to work. Absolutely motivate them, yeah. Yeah, at any rate. So um, I left there. I had a year, uh, you know, on an employment agreement, and that's when I started Innovation TVA. So Innovation TVA will celebrate its 10th year in 2023. Awesome. Um, but it is difficult in the sense, and I use this, I'd like to think I coined this phrase, there's a church on every corner, but somewhere we forgot about forgiveness. And it's very true. People, when you tell them you've been in prison, of course, I wear it like you, the scarlet letter A on my yeah. chest. Yeah, you don't hide it because, I mean, that's how we, no. that's how we met was you were talking about it to a mutual yeah. friend. So, And you'll find in, in, you know, for those of you who will come out or out, you know, people 
use it as something they know better, but what they're not looking at is their own lives. Look in the mirror. And it's kind of like the, the story of when they were stoning the girl, right? Uh, and, you know, uh, Jesus, I believe, wrote in the sand all the different sins that others have committed and go ahead and cast your first stone, but people will do that. And you will face discrimination unsaid, but it's the only place in this country and maybe in the world that you can legally discriminate. I can't discriminate for color or religion or uh, sexual preference, but if I'm a felon, you can discriminate and you can do it right in my face. Yeah, yeah. And so, you can again— it, You can do it harshly and without, I mean, without any prejudice at all and, and, and not get in trouble for it. Correct. at all but so. it's not it's not something and they've, they've tried to do some stuff they've tried to the ban the box and all that but that doesn't that doesn't do anything ban the box did nothing because people are still doing background checks so just because i don't answer or check a box on an application doesn't do away with the background check so a lot of our guys you know do state time they'll get out they'll start a job based on the fact that there was no felony questions on the application and then two weeks later they're fired because the background check came in so, you know, a lot of good the band the box did, you know. Well, it's funny, um, the, the background check, the company that I went to and took over for the president of the company, the HR did the background check. And when I first started, they said, well, everything came out clear. And I said, well, now that I'm in this position, we need to get a new company to do a background check. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it shouldn't be clear. No. You know, uh, I, I, I made a post on social media the other day, and uh, and I just said that, you know, Jesus did background checks. You know, he he he's he saw into everyone's past that he chose to come work with him. None of their pasts. One was a murderer, Simon the Zealot. One was a thief, Judas. One was a liar, Peter, and even lied about knowing Jesus. <laughs> All these men were personally chosen by our Savior to walk with him. Yeah to do life with him, to eat at the same table with him, to carry the, the message into all the world. He chose those people. And, and it's not that he didn't see, he wasn't naive and didn't see what they used to be. He just did not let what they used to be deter him from mentoring and discipling them into something better. Hmm. And so I, I tell, I'll tell CEOs and people like, if you're still disqualifying people because of their past and their background check, you're doing it wrong. Hmm. You're not doing it. You're not doing it. You're, you're basically lazy. And you're saying, I don't think this guy has all the qualifications to fill this position, but I'm going to let one thing in his past disqualify him instead of me taking on the challenge of saying, you know what? I think this guy can help us. Let's walk. Let's lock arms with him shoulder to shoulder. And let's make sure that he's not that person he used to be anymore and, 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 and help him walk into the person that he could be, that maybe he already knows he can be. We want to give, we as a company want to give him that chance hmm. and say, let's, let's mentor, let's disciple because, you know, like, like you said, there's a church on every corner that will lead you to salvation and maybe even to deliverance. But neither one of those are discipleship. No. Discipleship is what Jesus did with his disciples, some of them had very challenging backgrounds. He walked with them for three years. And he accepted them for who they were. Absolutely. Did yeah. they all make it? No. You know, nope. he, he, he's he got a, what is one out of 12? What's that recidivism rate? You know, <laughs> what, what, 
Jesus, Jesus had a recidivism rate with his disciples too. So, you know, uh, because I, I just feel like, man, if you're still, that's like an, I don't know, it's like an antiquated system. Let's look at your past to, to, to say that we don't believe because of your past that you have a future. You know, I just think that's such a, I mean, it's the things that are missing, uh, acceptance, compassion, uh, for anybody, but specifically people who have maybe fallen and or have been caught up in something, right? But if anyone looks at their lives and looks in the mirror, there are things that it's not for me to judge or you to judge. Uh, God will judge. You know, it's the same reason why I feel like I have a problem with all prison systems, Texas, uh, state and federal, is that they're like, all right, you're here, let's punish you. Let's not take the time to figure out why why you did what you did. What happened in your life that caused you to think, let me do this and it's okay. Oh, you were abused as a child. Oh, you were physically abused as a child. Oh, you were you were mentally, sexually abused as a child. Oh, that might have something to do with your pattern That's right. into your adulthood. So now let's address that. Let's 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 rehabilitate you now. You know, and if we did that, federal and and state, if we did that, then we we could call ourselves a, a rehabilitative system. But well, you're you're we're just punitive. You're absolutely we're just punitive. And, and the same way with uh with with when pe- when companies hire people and they see the background and they want to automatically disqualify that person instead of asking questions. Hey, why don't you tell me about this? What happened? You know. Well, the other thing, a good story behind it. Unfortunately, that what happens too is they get hired. If it's hired by the wrong person, that wrong person now wants to leverage that as a way to hold it over their exploitation. Yep, that's bad. That happens a lot. It's happened to me. And so, with that said, you know, uh, you're right on target. Embracing reality is looking at every aspect, and I'm finally moving into the position with Innovation TVA. And what I've created as an advisory board and forgiven felons falls right into this, right? To create an environment, I'll call it a complete safety net where, you know, the person can get evaluated for their physical, you know, challenges, their mental challenges. And let's work on that. Let's know what those are so we can help strengthen them. Then you look at, you know, what do they need? Well, they need work. They need some stability and they need to develop skill sets if they don't have them because oftentimes some of these gentlemen and women go in at a young age after you know selling drugs or what whatnot right and so they haven't had a time to develop other than you know sales skills and channels of distribution but with that said uh, they have an opportunity to develop and take it one step further that these businesses feed into a nonprofit because that way you can create a whole ecosystem and develop people but you know like anything they they can't just be a year or two years you need to have a lifetime of connection just like people who have been raised you know i with money in environments where they've gone to school and that doesn't mean people can't make life work for them without money but you know if i look at the advantage well if i look at the statistics but they have that advantage and they have a network of people that are looking out for them and when they do something wrong which they do it gets kind of tucked under the rug and you they keep going on they don't face the consequence that some of the people you and i know have faced so um well you know to everybody listening no matter where you are inside prison outside prison you've heard me talk about the resource center uh art has come alongside us and has um is passionate about helping us 
uh, fulfill this vision of the Resource Center. And we're going to collaborate on some things, such as the curriculum, Embracing Reality. Um, and then the Resource Center, like you all know already, is going to be something that's going to have, um, you know, workshops that will funnel into the businesses and the businesses will funnel back into the, the nonprofit Forgiven Felons. But we're going to keep doing all the same thing we've been doing for our guys in the houses over the last 10 years, all the social services, but we're going to add classes, financial literacy classes. We're going to add some, even some learning, some, uh, uh, cyber security. Yeah, cyber security. We're going to, we're going to, you know, leadership classes. I mean, so many different things. We're going to recovery classes as well. So, and then embracing reality is going to be our mainstay class where we're just teaching people, you know, maybe even try to get that connected with parole and, and, and even on the inside of prisons. And, um, because I think families need to, Actually, families of loved ones. I don't know if there's like a family edition of Embracing Reality or <laughs> a chapter is. on that. There, there's, um, um, we need to do that and have that available for the families, even even before their loved ones get out of prison. So. Yeah, that was uh, in Embracing Reality. When I did that in prison, it was psychology. So I had the head psychiatrist speak and to speak to the families because everyone was there together in the visit. And she asked the question, and I'll try not to get somber on it, but you know, uh, a little, she said, what, what is the biggest thing? And this was a little boy who stood up. He goes, when I go home, you know, my dad's not there. And it just, it, it hit me and it hit the CEO who sponsored me. Um, and the CEO who sponsored me, I've stayed in touch with, he'll probably be a part of, uh, forgiving felons and would like to. Yeah. Uh, he really hit, there's a lot of good people who work in the system. So, and all of us know that who have been in prison, they're, they're not bad people. Some of them just have jobs, but some of them really care and they do exist. They're good people. Awesome. Well, Art, we're going to uh, let you go. I, I would say give a message to the inmates, but you already did that earlier and it was a really good one. And so uh, if there's anything else you want to say to the, to the men and women behind bars, um, this is mostly state prisons all over, but county jails as well. I don't think we're in any of the federal systems yet, but uh, I'm hoping to get contact with uh, somebody who, who runs the, the tablets inside of the federal systems and get in there as well. But maybe just close us out with a message, another short message, uh, maybe even piggybacking or re reiterating what you said earlier. Um, just a message to the inmates that maybe maybe they have, they maybe they were in the business world and are wondering if they're ever gonna be able to get back like they were, you know, um, and anybody. Anybody that just is down on their luck or thinking that this is all there is, you know, yeah, um, just just speak, sure. speak life over to them. Yeah, it, you know, I know that it can be lonely. I know that it can be challenging. I know from experience, and Jay, you know as well. Don't lose faith, and if it's faith that you're challenged with, pray, and you know, God will answer your prayers. Uh, and find that place in your life that you have with him and, and talk with him, uh, pray with him. You know, just recently, as a matter of fact, uh, I see, I need to get back to some things. And, uh, you know, I read the Bible, but I read it in the morning. I'm not a Bible thumper. I'm not. I, I couldn't quote you as much, but I do love reading it. And then I said, I need to pray. Let's start with 10 minutes. And the first time I did it, I thought, this is a long 10 minutes. But then it just became natural, just natural. And... I would encourage you to do that. I know it's hard not to feel sorry for ourselves, but try to look outside yourself to the people who love you and are participating in your life while you're in prison. Those are the key individuals. You know, encourage them, appreciate them, 
you know, love them. They do care. It's just as hard. They're serving time with you, and they're serving time every step of the way. And with the holidays coming, it makes it even more challenging. So, you know, I hope that you can find a place that is helpful for you. But know that there's people like Jay and out here, Jay and I out here too, who are going to look to pave a different way. And there's not just us. There's other other places in other states. There's a bread company up in Seattle, Dave's Bread, and he only hires people uh, in different states to run operations for his his bread. He was, he was his, uh, Dave Dahl is his name. He he sold the company oh, a few did. years back, but uh, but yeah, they they still maintain some of the principles that he laid out and uh, he's actually on an earlier episode okay cool so, yeah. yeah so anyway there but there are other things out there right pp there's other p and we're gonna we're gonna work hard just recently well i'll stick to what you asked me to do i pray to god our father to be with you to bless you to fill your hearts with joy and with possibilities so that you can see differently and, and if you again, if you're getting out and coming to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, make sure you look us up at the Resource Center because Art will be a, a staple there as well uh, moving forward. And so we can't wait to see you on the outside. Thank you for listening to Background Check and uh, spread the word. We are under, if you're in prison, we're under the personal development category. So make sure you uh, refresh and refresh your uh, your choices, your, your favorites um, all the time. So... We'll see you. We'll see you. Um, we'll see you next time yeah. on, on background check. Check in. Yep. Don't forget to tune in on Mondays where we have background check in. Thank you, Jay. But uh, thank you, Art, for yeah. taking your time, man. Appreciate thank all you, you uh, do, and uh, appreciate what you're gonna help us do as well. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate being here. Thank you, listeners. All right. I want to thank Art for coming on the show. Thanks again, Art, for not just the interview, but just everything you've done for forgiven felons uh, so far in the short three months we've known you and um, I appreciate it and uh, to every one of you listening out there listen it don't matter it does not matter how far up in the business ladder you are and how far you if you lose everything or not you can you can get it all back you know and he said he's not back exactly where he was but he's on his way I know that and uh, he just keeps giving back at the same time so so let that be let that be a model uh, for all of you in, in anywhere, state or federal prison. You know, when you when you're sitting there asking yourself, even right now, as you're sitting there asking wherever you are in life, and whether you're in prison or not, and you're like, "How am I going to do this?" And just listen to that voice of God; He will talk to you and say, "Just trust me. Just trust me." Let's lift Art up in prayer. Father, thank you for Art. Thank you for. Innovations TV, Innovation TVA, thank you for all his work with uh, companies, helping them be the best version of themselves. Thank you for his family. We lift up his family to you. Give them everything they need. Give them breakthroughs. Give them uh, whatever they need for this next journey, the next chapter of their journey, Father. Lord, I thank you for Innovation TVA. Bless the, bless the business. Take them to a new level in 2023. And uh, thank you for, for giving our strategies and solutions to to solve people's problems and help take them to the next level to be the best version of themselves, including forgiven felons. Lord, uh, we thank you. Give them health, give them strength, give them everything they need. Lord, we pray for the listener. We pray for everyone listening right now that this, this interview and all the other interviews would give them hope, allow them to pursue their dreams. And, um, and Lord, if any, anybody listening to this, um, is feeling, feeling ill, feeling bad in their body. Lord, we just speak life 
and wholeness and completeness over their body. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll we'll see y'all on uh, next Monday on Background Check-In. Y'all enjoying those? Uh, it looks like Sailor said he was, so all right, we'll see you next week. And don't forget, if, if this episode or any of the episodes have impacted your life in any way and you feel like you want to you want to give a gift, then go to ForgivenFelons.org and go to the donate page, and um, and you'll get giving credit for it. And it'll go to a really good cause to share the gospel all over the world, but also help people with a past realize they have a future. See you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast, brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with a past realize their future. For more information, please visit ForgivenFelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm J.D. Gum, and this has been Background Check.